This is a Broad Pods production. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is the wonderful Angela Pipos. Hi there, Ange. Hi, Jo. Ooh, we've got some exciting news today, haven't we? <laughs> oh, there's so much going on. Um, firstly, congratulations on being in the new studio. We've joined Castaway Studios once a week. We're over there in that beautiful space. I say over there because I'm not with you. What's it like in the new studio? <laughs> I can report it is fantastic. It is awesome. I love it. There is space. Rose here, Cess is here. Everyone's just here except you. We miss you. (laughs) I feel like I feel like I've been left at the altar. (laughs) Oh no, I I jilted you. Um, Yes, there's there's a chair there for me, but I'm not sitting in it because Mm. in the sign of the times, uh, we I'm in ISO. I have had to isolate for I'm on day eight or nine now because I was a primary close contact with someone who was COVID positive last Monday. Mm-hmm. So we're doing exactly as we're told and I'm sitting at home and I feel very sad because I want to be there. It is very 2021, isn't it, that uh, the plan did not work out as we had hoped. I don't know why we bother making plans these days because they never actually happen. Um, But it would be lovely to have you here. But you are here in spirit. I can still see you. I can still see you on the screen and um, I look forward to working together very soon. <laughs> Look, I tell you what, buckle up because who knows what's going to happen with me here and you there. And I know the show's in great hands, but we're a new studio. Everything, I don't know. You got to kind of, you got to kind of just uh, relax into these things. I wonder yep. if this is going to become the best excuse for not wanting to go somewhere. Like, oh, sorry, I, I can't come. I'm in ISO. 
Yeah, and the other thing is that people are also saying they've got a bit of anxiety about going back out into the real world. And I guess we can use that as a legitimate excuse. If you don't want to go to the opening of that envelope, you can just say, <laughs> I'm not comfortable yet being in crowds and you can use it. So, yeah. I'm, and I intend to use it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and sure. And actually, now that I've spent nine days in ISO, it's very real because you go, well, hang on a second. Apart from whatever risks there are around the virus, I don't want to be close contact again, yeah. which serves, it suits me fine because I'm, I'm a bit of a hermit. To be honest, I really haven't noticed much difference <laughs> in ISO for the last eight days. Anyway, we yeah. do have an awesome show coming up for you. We're going to be speaking with the world record holder for marathon swimming. For uh, Crossing the English Channel, uh, Chloe McArdle is joining us from the UK. What a brilliant incredible achievement that is um we're also going to be speaking with dan illich who is a comedian and we would say i guess a climate change campaigner activist who's done this incredible campaign where he's put billboards in times square and all around the world really just uh calling out our government for their inaction. Mm -hmm. And as well, we're going to be joined by Kat Stanley, who is the director of Endo Health Foundation. She's going to be talking to us about endometriosis and its incredible toll on people who suffer from it. So as we always say, if you are watching on Facebook and YouTube, follow along, share your comments and your feelings, your experiences with us. We'd love to hear what you're thinking and feeling and chuck us a like or a follow. Uh, you can always catch up on our podcast with Broad Radio on the go, wherever you get your podcasts. And we have very exciting news. And if you are interested in engaging with Broad Radio, do, 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 I needed an actual, some kind of a sound effect. You know, in commercial radio, you always have a sting. Yes. Um, anyway, we are crowdfunding. So we have launched our own crowdfund campaign. Um, it's on Indiegogo. This particular version of broad radio, this very um, guerrilla version of radio where we come to you live streaming every Tuesday morning on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch, whatever Twitch is, Ro set that up. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's what the young people watch. Um, this is only ever intended to be a pilot, a proof of concept, a way of really kind of just experimenting with our content and getting to know each other and our audience and really just feeling the waters. But it's time. It's time yep. to go to the next level. So we're crowdfunding to raise money to get to the next stage. We are indeed. And where's the money going to go, Joe? Because a number of people have said to me, but yeah, what are you going to do with that money that you crowdfund? We are going to build an app because at the moment, I would say the number one thing people say to me when I tell them about Broad Radio and trust me, it's lucky we haven't been out being very social because it's pretty much all I talk about, which probably makes me not the greatest dinner guest. Um, I, I constantly get people say, I love this. How can I listen? I want to do it now. And I say, well, we live stream on Facebook and YouTube. Oh, I don't have Facebook. Fair enough. Uh, what about YouTube? Uh, not really. It's not really my thing. So we want to build an app so that it is in your hand so that you can take it wherever you go and it's very easy to listen and as we build the app we build out our programming we build out our commercial partners and we basically just it's like building blocks creating a radio station but the app is the first part of that yep joe it's been so good to be involved from the ground and just seeing it build and come to life like this 
it must have been nine or ten months ago when you first mentioned Broad Radio to me. And when you said it, it just felt so right. It felt so right on a personal level. I was ready to do something like this. But more importantly, on a societal level, um, there's a gap in the market and women deserve to be heard. And what this does is it provides a platform for us to have all these important, meaningful and fun conversations in one spot. So um, I love it. I salute you. You've done a wonderful job. And I'm very excited about um, the next phase of Broad Radio. Well, I have to say, you know, you and Zoe Daniel and Bianca Chatfield and Nellie Thomas and Kirsty Wiebeck and Ange Rao and, you know, like Shelley Ware, I, I just cold called you. I literally just picked up the <laughs> yes. phone and said, hey, I've got this. I've got this mad idea. And you all said, hmm, okay, yeah, I'll give that a crack. And I, I can't believe that in itself. Mm. But it is testament to the fact, I think, that um, not only is it a great idea and it's exciting to do something yeah. where you're free to talk about things that matter, and are fun and real for people like us. Um, but also we we do recognise that only when you listen to radio in Australia, only 30% of the voices you hear are female. Mm. And that skews society. You know, that changes the narrative of mm -hmm. a city. It changes the narrative of what we believe our society is. And it's, inc it's inaccurate, you know. So um, it's an exciting opportunity to shift that. It really is. And it's, it's important that radio reflects actual society. And, you know, this is what we're all, this is what we're all about. <laughs> so it's great. Awesome. I'm so, I'm just delighted. Yes. And I must say, I'm very comfortable in this studio. <laughs> I'm not so, I'm so jealous. <laughs> you know what they say, <laughs> don't take a day off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that's so funny. Well, I mean, out. okay, so. If you are interested in seeing more of Ange in that studio, you can support our crowdfund. And the address is just igg.me forward slash at forward slash broad dash radio. And we've only been running this uh, campaign for three days or two days, I believe. And um, it's... It's we've already raised uh, eight thousand, eight nine thousand dollars. Incredible, incredible generosity, and people who I know people are really struggling. It's been a very difficult time, mm. and so we've had a lot of people um, buy some, you know, really beautiful merch that's like twenty five dollars for a keep cup or thirty dollars for a tote bag. We love those people, and then. We just received a donation of a thousand dollars. Oh my god, my mind is blown! A thousand dollars from a woman whose name is Michelle Squire. She has a skincare company called. Um, I'm going to tell you so that I don't get it wrong. Let me tell you, it is called Curate. Yep, Q R Eight. It said, and you know, so this is someone who just sees the benefit and the incredible importance of what we're doing, and I'm just. I'm so overwhelmed by that because this doesn't belong to me, and I've never seen broad radio as something that belongs to me. It belongs to every woman that needs to be told they're not alone. Mm. You know, that's what drives me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so often women are squeezed out of these important conversations. So we're here to, um, to make amends. And we've got a, um, a wild group of women involved. <laughs> we're all very 
different in in many ways. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. I think it's fantastic. And the other thing is, if you if you can't donate, and not everybody can, and it is a very challenging time, yes. um, spread mm. the word. Just you know, yes. on, on social media, that's that also helps us immensely. Um, yeah. So yeah, awesome. But awesome, Joe, you awesome, are you awesome. are the spiritual leader, though. Even though you don't want to say that it's it's all about you, you are our spiritual leader. Um. Well, I guess I'm a bit of a. You know what I am. I'm like, and I'm sure most women are like this around their home, where you just go, "Oh, no one else is doing it. I'll just fucking do it, shall I?" Yeah. Um, I think that's that's how I kind of picked up the mantle. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right. All right then. Um, the other thing I'll say is it's really nice to be out of the house. You know, we, we have, I have got a sensible outfit on um, and it was kind of, I don't know, just so liberating to jump in the car and, and drive a few kilometres away today after being trapped for so long. In my case, sort of tra- trapped with an eight-year-old um, who really just shadowed me for the past best part of two years. He's been a, a hard tag to shake, my little man. Gorgeous, <laughs> Your gorgeous man boy. Francis is, he's so beautiful <laughs> and he has a divine attachment to you and your partner, Simon. I think you've got a beautiful little family of three, as I am a little family of three too. <laughs> um, and there's something about children who don't have siblings. They attach themselves to their parents and think they're adults very early on, don't they? Um, but when you say a sensible outfit, what does that even mean? Um, I'm wearing a jumpsuit today and I've still got my runners oh. on, so I haven't worn any sort of proper shoes, but runners and just a, and a jumpsuit. I just, yeah, it's, it's why not, you know, to celebrate being in the new studio. We do have a video You're that right. we, can, we can throw to now, though, um, as, we, as we wait for the wonderful Chloe McArdle to join us. Take a look. I'm Jo Stanley, founder and CEO of Broad Radio. Radio for women, by women. Jo, you forgot your kettlebell. Of course, you'd think there's radio for every kind of listener. Reverse, get your nose out of there. But did you know there's not one radio station for women over 40? And there's five million of us in Australia. That's why we're building Broad Radio, an empowering radio network delivered via an app. So wherever you go, you'll have live talkback, great music, community, even a marketplace for shopping. There's nothing like Broad Radio in Australia, and we're excited about its potential to scale globally. And a brilliant team to make it all happen. Our vision is a hub of vibrant conversation that connects us all and makes each of us feel like we are truly understood. That's why we've decided to crowdfund, because we'd love you to join us. Just head to broadradio.com.au and subscribe. Oh, amazing. Um, I was just going to say, do head to uh, the Indiegogo page because there's a three-minute version of that video which features Ange. I'm sorry that I had to edit you out of the 60-second one there, Ange. Didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. You're in the studio and I'm I'm banished, okay? So, <laughs> all right. So we have our beautiful first guest here and I will say that one of the most joyous things about Broad Radio this year, it has connected us with incredible women and 
honestly, we spoke with Chloe in May this year. She told us about her incredible courage in being an advocate as a victim survivor of domestic violence. She told us that her dream was to break this world record for crossing the English Channel. It had to be 44 times. And on Friday, she did it. She got the 44th crossing and she joins us now all the way from the UK. Hi there, Chloe. It's so great to see you. Oh, it's so awesome to connect with you all. I feel like I'm a part of me is in back in Australia already, even though I'm stuck over here. <laughs> oh, well, we've been watching you though. We've been following your progress as you've just you've gone forty two crossings, forty three crossings, then the forty fourth, <laughs> and you shared it, and I was so emotional watching it. Um, and I'm sure every interview that you've done has asked you this. But what is it when you put your feet on the sand that first? footstep as you're coming out of the 44th crossing are you relieved are you excited are you exhausted what do you feel yeah well luckily it wasn't one of the hardest crossings I've done so I wasn't super super exhausted so I really kind of just danced my way over the waterline which is our finish line and just kind of soaked it in as much as I could because it could be my last ever English Channel swim. So I really just was as present as possible and just let the elation and the joy just kind of wash over me and, and not take any second for granted that I was there on shore. Well, Chloe, you say that it wasn't one of the hardest ones that you've done. And I know you have a love-hate relationship with the English Channel. What makes it easier on a particular um, crossing and what makes it more difficult? Well, that particular crossing, the worst conditions I got in terms of chop was probably about one metre chop, mm -hmm. and that was for four, four to five hours, which for me is not really bad conditions because there was a few crossings before where I was absolutely like smashed up by the channel and I was vomiting on the boat on the way back and I had no energy to even sit upright. I was just in this horizontal ball being looked after by my support crew. So it was good that I had the opportunity to enjoy that experience rather than just be completely drained and fatigued and not have a chance to, to soak it in. Um, yeah, and one crossing years ago, I went straight to ICU intensive care in, in Kent. So really, in the scheme of things, it was a brilliant day out there. <laughs> it was a breeze. Well, yeah, we saw you with a bottle of champagne as you can, you know, standing there celebrating. It's like, to me, that's a good result if you can finish exercise with a bottle of French. <laughs> it was given to me by a Frenchman too. It was perfect. He was waiting there for me specifically he'd been watching my gps track he's this lovely man patrice his son has swum the english channel twice and he's, he just loves taking photos and greeting swimmers he chases swimmers along the beach line and trying tries to catch them as they finish he's so sweet and then he emails them photos of them finishing because the crew aren't allowed on shore so often swimmers have no photos of them close up at all of being on shore so I had this great connection with this wonderful man and to have him there at the finish personally was amazing. And then for him to handle me a personally um, labelled champagne bottle with my 44th world record swim on, I was like, wow, this is so sweet. So it was just this beautiful moment and it was just wonderful. Oh, that's a fantastic story. Now, the previous record was set by uh, a woman that you really admire in your world of marathon swimming. What did it mean to beat Alison's record? 
Yeah, Alison Streeter, she's really been a pioneer sorry, of marathon swimming. She's the first woman to swim a triple non-stop crossing of the English Channel, the only person before woman sorry, before me. And she was the overall world record holder for like 15 years for crossings, number of crossings of the English Channel. So when I got into English Channel swimming, I idolised her and, and I never thought I'd even go after this greatest crossings uh, record. And I just put her up on this big pedestal and um, to to emulate her feet and notch just one above is it's really special to even have my name anywhere near her. So mm. I'm just so honoured and privileged to really be able to stamp my name and represent Australia over here in England. I'm really far away from home, but uh, I've been front page of the time, so everyone knows there's an Aussie <laughs> who is now going to the English Channel. <laughs> so oh. cool. It is so cool. And also, though, Chloe, we saw the GPS of your brooch there and you were telling us before we got to this interview that, you know, it's pretty, it's very similar to the rouge that a ferry would go. And I just imagined being on a ferry and seeing someone literally swimming across to France. Do, do people see you in boats as you're swimming along? Ah, it's, it is very interesting. So if you go back to that map, the little tiny grey lines are literally the ferry routes and you'll see that we cross over. Well, I do very short lines because, well, thin, they, they don't bump too much. Most swimmers will cross the ferry lines twice. I'm not exactly sure if the people on the ferry are seeing us as swimmers, but they're probably seeing the support boat next to us. So our support boat's about nine metres wide, three to five metres, sorry, nine metres long, three to five metres wide. So during the day, that will be fairly visible. At night, as you can see, it's a night shot there. Um, they might get to see a little light and that would be the whole boat. Um, so during day, possibly, but then also in chop, it's really hard to see anything and it can get really nasty out there in the channel. So, look, I, don't, I can't say for sure I, I know the answer to your question, but it wouldn't be easy for them to see us, even if it was possible. And Chloe, we should uh, reiterate that there are strict conditions about the English Channel swim and one of them is that you can't wear a wetsuit because often people say, why is she not wearing a wetsuit? I mean, seriously, organisers need to lighten up a bit and don't you think you have a wetsuit on? <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of like wearing a wetsuit for competitive pool swimming. Everyone would just get like 20% faster. So they're trying to keep the rules really consistent with the first people that swam the English Channel, mm. uh, although they were having whiskey and sugar cubes to get themselves across. So thankfully we've evolved a bit since then. Well, makes me want to do it. <laughs> <You haven't>... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Chloe, um, we saw you there. That shot actually at nighttime was you. You were in the middle of getting a meal break at that time. Um or water, I think it was. I got that off your Instagram. So mm -hmm. I have a question for you from that is from my daughter, Willow, who's 12. And as all children, she's very practical and curious. And she wants to know, so you're swimming for about 10 hours, is it 12 hours, something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, range. She yep. wants to know, yeah. She wants to know what you do about going to the toilet during that time because... <laughs> Obviously, you know, you, we've all weed in the sea, but what about number twos and what happens yeah. there? <laughs> I usually get this when I speak to primary schools yeah. and I love it how candid yeah. they are. Like, it's great, you know, if you want to know something, ask. Yeah. So, 
I say to them, look, when I swim, I'm not allowed on the boat. So I'm like a fish. I eat in the sea and I do everything in the sea. Um, but to be more specific, when I'm exercising at that intensity, I'm diverting blood away from my digestive system to my working muscles, so mainly my, my limbs, my arms and my legs. So I don't, I don't really digest well. Um, which means my bowels aren't really moving. There's been a few exceptions, but generally I won't defecate um, during a channel swim. Um, but in terms of urinating, I, I do urinate regularly. I take a lot of fluid in, which is really important for hydration because I'm exercising so much. And my feed, so to speak, you saw me with the drink bottle just before in that shot, that is liquid and I'm having about 300 mils an hour and that has to go somewhere. Like it can't just all get stored inside mm. 300 mils over 10 hours. You're talking multiple litres. So that really has to get cleared out of my system. I want to know what's happening. Best the answer, by the way. Best yeah. answer, I have yeah. to say. Love it. Yeah. Thank very, you. Very good. Um, <laughs> I want to know what's happening in your head as you're swimming, you know, hour after hour. What are you, what are you thinking about? What, are you, what sort of techniques are you using to distract mm. yourself from the fact that you're um, in the English Channel? Sometimes I just think about cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and me um, both, often. <laughs> different things at different times. So the mm. first few hours I'm really just trying to get a really good rhythm because I need to adjust to whatever the conditions are on that particular crossing. And, and the English Channel is very variable, it's very fickle, it's fickle, it's changeable. So on that particular day, the first few hours, I want to get a good stroke rhythm. I don't want to have too high an arm turnover. I don't want to have too low. I don't want to be zigzagging in and weaving in and out from the boat. I want to be very consistent holding my position about two to three meters mm -hmm. just to the side of the boat and to hold that. And also often I start in the morning at night and that's quite disorientating because I'm covered by blackness generally, but the, the light is actually shining very white lights at me. You would have seen how lit up I was in that, that picture earlier. Mm -hmm. And just it's like a deer in headlights trying to actually navigate what's going on in the boat when there's so much glare is really hard. So the first few hours are just easing into that, getting in a nice pace. And then I just try and entertain myself with um, having a good effective technique or having a look at the cargo ships, the tankers, the ferries. At night time, the ferries are lit up like Christmas trees, like floating. They float by and I absolutely love that. Um, I love the sunrise. So I try and be really present because there are things to enjoy, even though it is kind of torturous. There are enjoyable moments. And if I can just savour that enjoyable moment and then it makes all that the hard stuff not as bad. Wow. You must be very good at mindfulness, Chloe. Yeah, um, I've had a lot of practice and <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess, guess I am by default. <laughs> I mean, I just think you, because otherwise you could let your mind just sort of run away from you and the next thing you, you know, you can end up, well, you've told me you can end up in some really dark places. Yeah, that's a problem a lot of channel swimmers get is that they're not used to what, what really is quite intense social isolation for some people being stuck out there because you can't touch anyone, mm -hmm. no one can touch you, you can't get on the boat if you're having issues. You've got to figure it out really for yourself in the water. Nighttime mm -hmm. it's hard because you, you can't really connect with your crew, it's dark or it's glary and the hours can go on and on and on and on. And to some people literally – 
kind of had a have a mental breakdown in the water because because of the state that they're in and they have you know trouble managing that and I've done a lot of swim coaching I've coached lots of people to swim the English Channel and my way to prepare them for that is pretty much break them on swimming camps and then when they get to swim to swim the English Channel it's not as hard as the camp that I forced them to get through <laughs> and then they're like okay we can do this this is fine. <laughs> Joe, are you enrolling in one of those camps? Oh, my God. And, you know, I don't get in the water, right? I don't swim in the bay in Melbourne. I very rarely swim. Probably the only time I would swim in the sea would be like Hawaii, Thailand. It's really, (laughs) that's my vibe. Yeah. What about you, Ange? I'm much the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm more of a land dweller, really. Um, Chloe, Mm. this started 12 years ago, this this campaign. are you going to, to keep swimming these sorts of distances or are you just going to sort of rein it in a bit? Uh, I, I have a, a love-hate relationship with the English Channel. So <laughs> I, I do feel like a pull to come back here every year. It's like my spiritual home. In saying that, it is quite gruelling and taxing to keep training up, committing a big chunk of my life three months every year to being here to swim the English Channel. So I'm really happy with the 44 crossings I've hit now, holding the world record. There's no one actively swimming that's within 25 crossings of my total of 44. So there's no one coming up close. So if um, the previous holder who's long retired, Alison, if she gets back into it or someone gets close, then I do expect they get back out here and start swimming the English Channel again because I want that crown to firmly <laughs> stay in Australian shores forever if I can help it. Um as far as other big marathon swims, I've really achieved everything I, I wanted. I have the world record for the longest nonstop ocean swim. That's really cool. I'm happy with that. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say never. I just don't have any plans. I, I love the work they do outside the water and I'm um, planning to do a bit more of that and maybe start a family in the next few years and pretend to be normal maybe for a little while. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm just obsessed with you, Chloe. I think you're amazing. And I know you are hoping to move into doing more, you know, motivational speaking and getting out there and telling your story. And I want to encourage anybody, if you are in charge of any kind of budget where you can hire someone to speak to people, hire Chloe. She's amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much. This is absolutely a story that is inspiring. And even just then when you were talking about you don't want to let go of that title of Queen of the Channel. I love that about you, that you've done it all. And, uh, you know, look out, anyone who gets gets close to trying to claim your title. So that is uh, absolutely awesome. Gosh, it's been great to chat to you today, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely beautiful, Chloe. We can't wait to see what you do next and uh, welcome you back to Australia when you get here. Thanks, ladies. It was fun. All the best. Thanks, Chloe. All the best to you too. And we'll, we'll have more board radio after this. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, that was entirely my fault because I told you you should do that and then I'm a control freak and I did it. <laughs> this is this really is hard happens. for you. This is really hard for you to have me in the studio. This is going against every fiber in your body. And I must say it's giving me a little bit of pleasure. Oh, good. Good, good. Um, do we have our next guest? We do. Dan's there. Oh, good. Oh, there he is. So well, let's take, well, as I said, we are running a crowdfund campaign and someone who also has done exactly that is Dan Illich from the podcast of Rational Fear. He has oh, raised an extraordinary amount of money, almost $200,000 for Joke Keeper, Shaming Australia's Climate in Action. It's Indiegogo as well as we're on Indiegogo. We're Indiegogo cousins right now. Um, and he joins us now. Hi there, Dan. Ooh. Hi, everyone. It's great to be with you. Long-time fan, first-time caller. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't have many men on the show, so consider yourself very lucky. I know. I feel so special. I feel so special. You know, Joe, last time we spoke was when I made a musical called Beaconsfield the Musical in 2008, and you were the first caller, to, the first people to have me on the radio back then. Oh, really? Well, that's nice. <laughs> I don't long time. remember it. <laughs> no, I thought the last time we spoke was when you and I did Studio 10 together. Which was oh, oh that could know, also then. be the case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on from that because we both of us are going to end up offending each other accidentally. Dan, congratulations on your crowdfund success. It seems like a lot of people are like you, and actually want to call out our government on their climate inaction. What what gave you the idea to raise money for billboards around the world? Do you know what? I was so annoyed when I was working in Paris for the climate talks that I uh, I was so frustrated to see just how Australia was a malevolent actor on the world stage, how we constantly delayed, obstructed, cheated our way to the 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 the, the, the being the worst kind of uh, leader when it comes to climate action in the world. And I found myself in France having to defend Australia. But, you know, I couldn't, so I didn't. You know, it's totally fine. But I didn't want to see that happen again in COP26. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this absolutely clear to the rest of the world, to all the people who go to COP, that Australians don't necessarily agree with what our government is doing. There is a huge gap between what Australians want and what our government wants. And I just wanted to make that absolutely clear because, uh, I don't know if you know this about COP, COP is like, um, it's like the Olympics of, uh, of Google Docs. Uh, 40,000 people get together to try to figure out where paragraphs and how sentences should be constructed to come out with like an agreement with what all the countries do to do with something with climate change. Um, and all these people come together and they walk through the streets of Glasgow. They all have a good time. Um, so I wanted to put up these billboards everywhere <laughs> so that when 
delegates saw the billboard, they would go, oh, look, Australians actually aren't on board with what we're doing, particularly, you know, uh, small island states and vulnerable nations who are coming in from much more weak positions than Australia. And they see us being terrible actors. We are not even uh, paying into the green green climate fund like we should be doing. We're not even uh, being reasonable when it comes to emissions because every molecule of coal that gets burnt ends up in the sky and makes them, their lives, an existential threat. So I just wanted to let people know that, you know, Australian, the Australian government is not necessarily being un-Australian and we, we just needed to address that head on. Well, Dan, thank you for representing me and us. Um, that's really important. I can actually walk a little bit taller now thanks to your billboards. Um, so you took matters into your own hands, which is awesome, and you've got strategically placed billboards, some in Australia and some overseas. Um, I wanted to yeah. ask you about Times Square because that was so awesome that 10 minutes um, I hope it felt like a long 10 minutes for you because to have that you know prime real estate must have been such an incredible feeling what was the reaction like oh it was uh, the real the reaction was huge like the reaction was massive we had international coverage all around the world not only were we on CNN but the the billboards made news. I, I, ha- I have good authority that my my in-laws neighbour, who is Greek, saw it on Greek TV. Uh, my cousins in <laughs> Serbia saw it on Serbian TV. Uh, so you know, I have it. I have it on good authority that the the story went around the world. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Everyone in Australia covered it, which is great. So it's it's been one of those incredible stories where it was just this breakout moment where it was like, you know what, this is. This is a big, important story all around the world. And, and our, our story as Australians is not unique. There are uh, countries that are completely beholden to their fossil fuel industries all around the world. And, uh, and it's a similar story. So I think us standing up, it helps others to do the same. So it's really exciting to see uh, that kind of movement uh, on a global on a global sphere. Like I had a text message from my good friend, Joe, who is Korean, and he sent me a picture of his blue sky. And he said, Dan, we've got a blue sky because of the Australia-China trade dispute. Our sky's been blue for the last seven days because they haven't burnt any Australian coal. Um, isn't that amazing? Like, that's so yes. compelling where you're like, oh, yeah, our coal goes on a boat and it goes somewhere and it gets burnt and it ends up across the skies of Asia. This is just a reality for people who live in Seoul, that our coal is polluting them every day. And do you know what I find interesting, Dan, because I've been reading a lot of the comments on Twitter around your campaign and some critics are like, oh, you're just embarrassing Australia, you're shaming our country, right? (laughs) And I feel like we are, a lot of us, not myself, but I think many people are deluded about how poor our record is when it comes to our impact on climate. Would that be true? No, we're, 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 we're pretty much at the end. We're pretty much at the bottom. We're not very good actor. We are up there with Saudi Arabia and Russia as the third largest exporter of fossil fuels. Uh, we are also, if you count all the fossil fuels we export and then get burned, we are the eighth largest polluter. Mm. Eighth largest polluter, Australia. And so, but and here's the thing, if you, don't count, if you don't count any of those exported emissions, we're still the 14th largest polluter. Uh, and uh, uh, countries of a very all the, all the countries who are similar sized, right? You hear a lot of people go, "Oh no, Australia only makes one point five percent or three percent of the of the pollution." 
But if you count all this, all the countries of a similar size, that is that is a block of countries that make up 30% of the world's pollution. So as as a small country, rich country like ours, we can actually lead this whole block into doing more. We can actually keep the molecules of carbon in the ground. We can actually develop new technology, get that technology in places where it's needed. We can actually be an exporter of, of that technology. We could be an exporter of electricity. We could be a net exporter of renewable electricity. We could we could sell 800% electricity out of our borders if we wanted to. Uh, and we could also give people a just transition who are working in fossil fuels to having a nice life with a nice pension and all learn how to do something else uh, and still and still have a really competitive, extremely high-tech uh, industry that actually makes a better difference in the world. Mining is still going to be important. We're still going to need mining. It's just the fossil fuels that are the thing that's killing us right now. Mm-hmm. So we need to absolutely keep those molecules in the ground. And gas is is even way worse. You know, um, uh, methane, they, they call it liquid natural gas or natural gas. It's actually methane. And methane traps 80% more heat than carbon dioxide. Uh, and that is uh, not 80%, 80 times. 80 times more heat than carbon dioxide. And so when you see Santos and all these companies ripping up the Northern Territory and the Northern Rivers, this is a extremely bad thing for the world, and we need to keep those molecules in the ground. We're like a drug dealer. We're we're like the cartel. Mm. We are sh- we are shipping drugs to the rest of the world. Um, we are the supply problem. You know, people complain mm. about well, Colombia and Mexico are shipping drugs to the world. Yeah, but we're shipping fossil fuels to the world, and though where though however those fossil fuels get made, uh, get used is not up to us. Sure, but we have a responsibility here. A responsibility to make sure and the supply issue that those things stay in the ground. Mm. Dan, on an optimistic note, the Climate 200 yes. group has raised a lot of money to challenge uh, LNP incumbents in, in key seats across the country at the next yep. election. Is this the way forward to get more Zali Steggles into federal parliament? Oh, you're speaking my language. I love <laughs> Zali Steggles. Oh, my God. You know, there's one word... There's one word I think of when I think of Zali Stegel, and that is diligent. Mm. Maybe there's another one, competent. <laughs> uh, and they're, diligent and competent are not words I can attach to any single federal LNP member. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of George Christensen or Craig Kelly or you think of Scott Morrison, you don't think of diligent and competent, do you? <laughs> You absolutely don't. It doesn't bring to mind. It doesn't bring to mind. And here is the thing. Here is the thing. Uh, With Climate 200, I really like what they're doing because if everyone voted the next election the same way, then we would still have – the LNP would still have one seat to remain in power. But if a few people voted for Climate 200, climate-centric independence, not – but not – we didn't mean – you don't need many seats, you know, two or three seats, then what that means is whoever gets the majority, Labor or Liberal, has to then negotiate from a minority position for supply. Mm. So it's like a it's like a check. Because here's the problem, folks, both Labor and Liberal get donations from the fossil fuel lobby. They both get about the same equal amount of donations and they're both beholden to the fossil fuel lobby. They're, each Labor and Liberal are beholden to Santos as much as each other. So 
what needs to happen is a climate independent revolution. We need to see a few more climate independents in to build out that crossbench. So whoever has uh, more seats, you know, Labor or Liberal, has to negotiate for supply for good and with only two things in mind here. This is what they all they want is strong climate action, which probably means a, str a strong 2030 target, and also a federal ICAC, which is something so popular. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is so crazy like that, that we don't actually have a federal like that and of course yeah. scott morrison says he doesn't want one because he's really allergic to the word accountability i think the word accountability is actually too many syllables for him to say <laughs> and you can throw in you can throw in respect for women as well i'd like to see that yeah more of that around the oh place. my god <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about Climate 200 is it's not a private trust. So it's not a blind trust. So you can see who's paying. Who's paying the <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're going to continue raising money, Dan, and it's your campaign beyond COP26 continues. We've only got 10 more days on the Indiegogo, but I can sense there's a groundswell of support to do more. So I'm thinking about starting up a new crowdfunder i'm going to have to probably start a new company for it um and i'm going to call it porter's blind trust proprietary limited so people can donate <laughs> to porter's blind trust proprietary limited and we'll make sure we continue on with the strong messaging about climate action and integrity and accountability and uh, icac we'll talk about how we can get folks in parliament who actually want to do something, not go on holiday during the middle of a national catastrophe. You know, the thing that the thing that absolutely made me go, oh, fuck, our government isn't supporting us at all was when this pandemic happened and, uh, and they went on holidays for five months and Scott Morrison put in a board of fossil fuel executives to solve the pandemic called the National COVID-19 Coordination Committee. And to solve the pandemic, the respiratory virus, their number one decision was to export more gas. That's when you go, oh, shit, this government actually doesn't work for us. We've got to solve this problem. We need to fire them all. Well, Dan, you're doing an outstanding job. I tell you, I can't get to the polling booth quick enough this time round, and I know uh, a lot of people feel the same way on this show. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> on this show, we've talked a lot about gender uh, equality and the events uh, over the past year, year and a half, and a lot of us are feeling um, incredibly disillusioned, and this own, this adds to it, um, their lack of action in this area as well. So all power to you. We love you. We love your satire, and we love your jokes. Uh, go well, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Oh, thank you, folks. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, please, if you are a voting person, think about where your vote goes this election. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dan. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere. Every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. 
Well, Ange, I've got a couple of uh, comments on social media before we get to our next guest because it's mm -hmm. just been lovely to have people joining us throughout the morning. Um, we're getting comments about the studio looking great. We love the idea of the app. So uplifting to hear laughter again. <laughs> Someone in that last interview with uh, Dan Illich has said, did you say a federal lie cap? Love it. <laughs> what a great idea. That would be brilliant. A federal lie cap. And then Anita Merson has asked the very important question, what is Joe's lipstick colour? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what is there it? There it is. And it's uh it's called Billion Dollar Smile. And it's the lovely, it's like a matte powder lip gloss thing. So yeah, there you go. We, we answered all the questions. All. <laughs> we did cover it all. So, okay, with the world opening up and summer is on its way and October tends to be a time when there's a lot of um, fundraisers out there, lots of people walking and running and hitting the pavement and raising funds and awareness for really important different uh, um, causes and charities. And this is one of my favourites. It's called Walk the World for Endo and the Director of Endo Health Foundation joins us now, Kat Stanley. Hi there, Kat. Hi, how are you? Uh, well, we're really well. It's great to see you, Kat. I know that you uh, joined EndoHelp Foundation because you've had your own personal experience with endometriosis. And I think a lot of us who aren't sufferers ourselves, we understand vaguely what it is, but it would be great to hear from you, from your experience. What does endometriosis mean for you? What, what's been your experience? Sure. Um, well, it mean it meant for me several years. By several, I mean seventeen years of going to doctors and saying I've got really painful periods. I'm really struggling with energy. I get back pain and pain down my legs, and kind of being told that you know period pain was normal, being fobbed off, kind of being told maybe you should try and have a baby. Um, and then after seventeen years, I did finally get a diagnosis. Um, but yeah, the most common symptoms are period pain. Some people pass out or vomit, their pain is so bad. Some people, um, you know, can't go to work for a couple of days. That was certainly me. Um, and pain in the back and down the legs. And then fatigue is another really common symptom, symptom as well. Kat, that's such yeah. um, a terrible story, 17 years. I read that on average it takes six and a half years for women today to receive a diagnosis. Can you tell us why it takes so long is it to do with the medical profession lagging behind or is it a is it a bigger thing about women's voices just not being listened to i think there's it's a bit multifaceted there's definitely there's still a bit of a sense in the medical community that women are hysterical and that pain during your period is normal and you should put up with it. Um, and even research more recently has shown that once a doctor has kind of tried everything, if you've still got pain, then they kind of start going down that hysterical line and suggesting that maybe you're making it up. Mm -hmm. I think also we still have so much stigma around periods and menstruation and we don't openly talk about periods. Um, a study done in Sydney last year by Mike Armour and his colleagues found that 92% of adolescent girls and young women get period pain and a third of them are missing work or school because of it and most of them don't feel comfortable talking to anyone about it. Um, I think also because of the stigma we don't have the language so doctors are also saying that when women come to the clinic they might be being so vague that the doctor isn't actually picking up on what's going on. Painful sex is another really common symptom of endometriosis that's not very easy to talk about and so I think sometimes diagnoses are getting missed because 
women are coming feeling really uncomfortable and giving vague symptoms and the doctor's kind of not quite understanding um, what they're actually talking about. Also, at this point, the gold standard is surgery, which means you, the doctor wants to be really sure that that's what they think is going on before they're going to um, prescribe that you go and see a specialist and undergo surgery to see if you've got endometriosis. So what what is the general sort of pathway once someone has finally been diagnosed with endometriosis? Yeah, so, so I mean, surgery to diagnose it and then usually to remove all of the endometriosis and any adhesions or anything else that's been found as part of the surgery. Um, and then often, it, I mean, it really varies. There isn't actually a common pathway. I run a support group, which I've run for about two years and see lots of people with endo now. Um, so some people are just then sent home and then get on with their lives and then some get sent home and are meant to get on with their lives, but they can't and they really struggle with pain. Um, so we know that physio and psychology and interdisciplinary care really does help, but there aren't any interdisciplinary clinics in Australia at this point in time. Um, so a lot of women are kind of left guessing and trying lots of things themselves to figure out what helps for them. And Kat, just back on the stigma. So what can we do as a society to remove the stigma around um, pelvic health and periods and women's health? I mean, how can we get girls to be more comfortable to talk about this stuff? Um, I'm thinking what can parents do, social media? What, what can we do? Well, I think we just need to talk about it more openly and honestly with our kids on social media. I mean, I now talk about it all the time, but when I was an adolescent, I would have been horrified to be talking about it. But the more we talk about it, the more we're show it and normalising it and using the proper words so that when a young girl or woman goes into the, the doctor, they do know what words to use to describe what's happening. Um, there's so much stigma even around body parts of of vulva and vagina we don't even use those words so how then do you then go to your doctor and describe that kind of pain um, so I think that's probably a key part um, and I think another part is older generation of women so my mum has really only just come to terms with the fact that she probably had endo and was told for years and years that it was normal um, and it's been through my journey that she's realized that but part of my journey was having a mum that told me no period pain's normal bleeding really heavily is normal because that's what she had been told so I'm hoping that the next generation mm. will change that dialogue. And you mentioned your help group. You, every week, uh, hear stories, I'm sure, from women who have experienced a varied impact from endo. What sorts mm. of life experiences are you hearing about? Uh, lots of people that have gone through infertility, lots of people that have spent a lot of money trying to get pregnant after years of pain and, and suffering. Um, we've got lots of women that are cashing in their super to pay for their surgery because it's uh, like two or three year waiting list to get seen publicly. Um, and then we've got people who are maybe being diagnosed with endo publicly and then they're waiting for um, their super to come in and paying for their private health insurance and they're kind of sitting in limbo, in pain, wanting to have children, knowing, well, it's going to be another 12 months. Should I be starting to, to have a family? Should I not? A lot of people that come to my support group rent or live with their parents because they've had to work part-time plus pay the exorbitant costs of endosurgeries and the treatments are quite expensive as well. Well, perhaps finally, Kat, um, your group does a lot of good work. Tell us about Walk the World for Endo. How can people get involved? Uh, what's it all about? Because I would assume that gentle exercise would be a good thing perhaps for people who are, who are suffering with the condition. 
Yeah, I think I spent about a year trying to figure out what kind of event we would have to raise awareness. And I wanted it to be something that people with endo could take part in. I love walking. It was on a walk that I came up with the idea. Um, and I like walking on really long kind of multi-day hikes and most of my friends get a bit sick of being dragged on them. And it was thinking about that that I realised, actually, let's do an event where you can pick how far you want to walk across the month. And it's about everybody kind of pulling together to try and get enough kilometres to walk around the world rather than, you know, a small cohort of us walking a long distance. So um, the idea is that you pick how many k's that you want to walk. Some people might walk a lot of kilometres and raise money that way. There might be other people that are walking around the block, but each day they're kind of sharing their story about what it's like to live with endo. Or we've even got people recovering from surgery and talking about what it's like to go on that first walk around the block after a surgery, what it's like to be going through another surgery and, and, and the recovery. Um, so get a Just Giving page, pick how many kilometres you want to walk and then fundraise and raise awareness about endo. So it's the idea is to raise money, but also start those conversations about what it's like to live with endo, what it's like to have pelvic pain and start talking about periods because we really need to do it. Mm. Because I see, Ange, that there's, you know, there's a lot of talk around employers understanding that someone who lives with endometriosis may extra leave and, you know, conditions both at work and within your family and you know like it's the impact is in every element of your life and it's having a serious impact even i think if you're thinking you're taking super out of someone at you know you're actually drawing on your super that impacts on your financial security as you're heading into retirement yeah yeah and if you've been in a lot of pain you make desperate decisions not saying that people shouldn't make those decisions but you know you're so desperate to get your life back mm. some of these people when I lived with I was 17 years where I couldn't work full-time and I didn't know why and I kept asking for help and everybody kept telling me it was normal and I kept thinking is there something wrong with me mm. so I can see how you could be like well if I just get this surgery I might get my life back so you pour everything into that and you're right Joe it does have an impact on every part of your life hmm well, Kat, thank you so much for coming on Broad Radio, sharing your story and and helping others as well because, you know, one in nine Australian women suffer from endo and there is, as I said, that six-and-a-half-year wait for a diagnosis. So there's still a lot of work to do and, and um, you're at the forefront of it and we thank you for it and thanks for being on Broad Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope that in 20 years we can talk about a whole new story about women living well with endo. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. we'll be back soon to wrap up. Oh, look at us, and We've <laughs> made it through the show, separated like we have been, like naughty children. <laughs> Which is probably fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to be in that studio. It's hurting me that I'm here, but that's okay. Imagine um, all, thank this, you so all much. the mischief we're going to get up to when we're in the same room together. You you know it. You know <laughs> it. This is what we're building towards. We're building towards this exciting development for Broad Radio. And do you know what? We are crowdfunding. Go to no, igg.me forward slash at forward slash broad dash radio it's pretty simple when you see it there it is it makes sense when you see it not when I say it perhaps but we've just ticked over nine thousand dollars towards our target of fifty thousand dollars what about that yay that is fantastic gosh that's good it is it's such a good feeling um and like I say 
it, people are being extremely generous and even like $25 at the moment is a lot of money you know, for, we've gone through such a difficult time. So we're very appreciative of people who, and there's some great fun merch there, which we'll tell you about in coming weeks that you can get involved with. And also we've got a couple of really fun events coming up as well. Next week, we're running a free music and comedy variety hour. It's a Zoom hour. Um, we're inviting everybody to come along and uh, have a great time. We've got Judith Lucy and Tanya Doko from the Bachelor Girl on that. And then in a couple of weeks, and you're hosting an online seminar for equality, which we're calling Doing It For Themselves. Yes. It's all happy. about under underrepresentation of women in the media um, and what we're doing about it. Yes, I'm having trouble keeping my um, ear pod things in, so I'm gonna I'm going to oh. talk with a <laughs> finger on my ear. <laughs> I've got strange ears. Have I told you about this? <laughs> They're actually both different, and I, I, it's just one of my <laughs> one of my many flaws. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to talk and hold this like this. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, our online event. Uh, the ones uh, sisters are doing it for themselves, or just doing it for themselves, and I'm going to bring a whole lot of optimism to that conversation because in my world of sport, as we've spoken about before, the landscape um, is changing and it's changing for the better. Um, but I will say this, that it's not in the mainstream media where the change no. is happening. It's around the mainstream media. So those women who have joined sport, thank God they've joined, who are not in the mainstream media, have the courage to challenge the, the, the systems, the structures and the attitudes that have kept sport really blokey. So I feel um, positive about the future because there are more and more women involved mm. in sport and they're not just sort of rocking up and talking about uh, wins and losses. They're having deeper conversations about sport and how we can make the landscape more inclusive. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be good. I've got a lot to say. That'll surprise you. <laughs> no, but... I I'm not surprised and I'm pleased to hear it because I love hearing you speak on all of these sorts of things. You're co-hosting with Zoe Daniel. So specifically, um, we wanted you guys to lead this conversation because you're two women who have both worked in mainstream and sidestep mainstream media. And joining us on the show, we have women who have done similarly. We've got Louise Milligan, of course, from Four Corners, but she's going to be able to speak to how the impact of underrepresentation of women is on society. Um, then we're going to be entering a panel discussion with Angela Priestley from Women's Agenda, who has founded her own online organisation way away from mainstream media. Amazing. Shelley Ware, again, out of sanctum, an incredible podcast that, again, has sidestepped mainstream media. We're doing it for themselves. We're finding our own ways around the fact that uh, there's not necessarily many seats at the table for us in mainstream media. But that is one rock star panel. Let me tell you, that yeah. is a very yeah. oh, and panel. I know, and Antoinette Latouf, who is, uh, you would know as a Channel 10 reporter, of course, but she does amazing work for uh, diversity and um, the media, and also uh, pulling, you know, wrapping it all together, we have Marina Go, who's um, she's been in media since she was with Dolly Magazine, and she's now founded Tonic, which is an online um, publication as well. So, yeah, amazing women. Oh, my God. I'm can't loving wait. it. Can't wait for that. So, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's so you good. can... Um, you can get yourself a ticket to that with on our Indiegogo page. Um, 
I think we've come to the end of our conversation. It is 10.02, Angela. You've done a very good job managing <laughs> your, your oddly shaped ear hole. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't shown you my oddly shaped ear hole yet. And I've got the wrong, I've got the wrong, I think I'm wearing someone else's in the family's um, ear things today <sighs> and they're just not the right size for me. So I'm going to blame Simon because that's my, that's my go-to position to blame him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I blame everything on the kid and the husband too, yeah. or the dog and the cat. So many, so many issues in my house. And thank you so much. It's been so much fun. The studio is, uh, is brilliant. You are going to love it and um, I look yes. forward to sharing it with you very soon. Yes, I will be there next week. I think Kirsty Wiebeck is uh, joining me as co-host next week and, um, well, we'll see you all then. Thank you so much, as always. We'll see you on Broad Radio next week. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.